welcome to the Law in Sport podcast with me, Sean Cottrell, the founder and CEO of Law in Sport. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome a good friend of mine and the Senior Governance Service Manager at FIFA, Sarah Solomali. How are you doing, Sarah? You all right? Hi, Sean. Thank you very much for the invitation. And uh, well, it's uh, almost the weekend and I'm really glad to actually start it with uh, your podcast. So thanks a lot. Oh, I'm absolutely delighted to finally get you on. Um, now, looking at your CV, you're probably one of the most qualified people that I think I've interviewed today, or we've got to be up there. You've got about four master's degrees or something. Can you give a background uh, to people about how you got involved in football and particularly you know, how you got involved in sports law? Well, uh, that's quite uh, an introduction, Sean. <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's really nice of you, and thank you very much. I take the compliment. It's not uh, often happening, so I take it for sure. Uh, look, I'm originally from uh, from Paris, uh, so I believe I can uh, call myself lucky. <laughs> uh, I was born and uh, raised there, and I'm definitely uh, what we call the representation of uh, a Parisian person with the good and the bad things uh, that come with that, yeah? <laughs> and um, yeah, I studied business law basically at uh, Sorbonne University, and I also studied international law in uh, Helsinki in Finland and as well um, Chinese law and economy in Shanghai in China. So it makes me now have a certain background in uh, terms of uh, law uh, in all sorts of uh, specialties. And I also spe specialize at some point in uh, sports law while uh, I moved to Zurich uh, to work at FIFA. And what made you move to FIFA? Because you know, I know that we've known each other for some time, we kind of talked about this, but... Yeah, if I'm right, that you initially started off sort of life really being in sort of performance arts. Uh, right. So how did you end up being in sort of performance arts through to law, then to FIFA, given that you, know, you could have gone anywhere? Yeah, as uh, as I told you before, yes, that's true. I'm basically an art an artist. I, I studied uh, art in Paris and what a city to actually uh, study art. Um, but at some point uh, when I graduated from high school, I had to choose between, you know, uh, keeping on going with my artistic life and uh, find a career in, in this path or to go to the university and, and study law. And I had to make this choice quite uh, early, around 18 years old, 17 years old. And I decided to, to choose law because, uh, honestly, it's, it was also um, a very safe uh, path. And uh, I regretted it, uh, I will be honest with that, uh, the first two years of, uh, of uh, law school because it was completely different. Being, you know, a free mind, uh, being very, you know, uh, open on everything and having to somehow structure my mind was uh, very difficult uh, the first years. But uh, I'm very grateful because uh, it may be the person that I am now. And it doesn't mean now that uh, because I studied law, I cannot also be an artist. I really think that it can be both. Uh, it can be actually related. Uh, but yeah, just to maybe go back on how did I end up um, in sports law or at FIFA. Um, so I said that I studied in, in Shanghai, in China for a year, uh, a year and a half. And I worked there as well. Um, and I, while I was there, I worked with uh, the lawyer of uh, a club, uh, one of the clubs of, uh, of the city, and also with the agent of a uh, French international football player there. And this was about uh, 10 years ago now. <laughs> Doesn't make me younger, but uh, here you go. And uh, after that experience, that was my, basically my first experience in, in what we call sports law. Uh, and then I went back to Paris and uh, I went on working with a business law firm because I graduated basically in business law. And after a couple of years, I honestly realized I did not like what I was doing. Uh, it was like these first years in, in the law school. I did not identify myself with um, with the yeah, with the, the, the work I was doing and with the direction uh, I was actually taking. And uh, I started to reflect on myself and I was still, you know, around 23, 22. And I thought, OK, why do I want to wh what do I want to do? Basically, I'm still young and I can still decide on uh, changing uh, path. 
and uh, leg, somehow luck came to 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 knock on my door when uh, Roy Vermeer from FIFA Pro, who back in the days was working at FIFA, and we had an acquaintance uh, in common, uh, told me that basically FIFA was uh, recruiting lawyers and that the job description was online and that I should apply if I wanted to. And um, the first thing I told myself, and I think you will actually confirm because you start to know me and so on, uh, I told myself right away, oh, they will never take me. It's out of my league. <laughs> because, you know, it's the best way to sabotage yourself, right? It's something that uh, women tend to do quite uh, often, as a matter of fact. But you know, thing I just think I was talking to someone earlier about this. I think this is the legal sector as well is guilty of like undermining brilliant people right because they start to self-doubt such a competitive environment and you're always looking to criticize and and look to potential uh failures just in terms of legal analysis to make sure you're not exposed anywhere and that can i think permeate into your own analysis of yourself well, um i always want to give the best so i I have this humility to think, but why would they take someone like me? You know, I only did business law. I don't know anything about sports law. You know, somehow I'm, it's also being humble with, uh, with myself. And I knew that, you know, these masters in sports law were on the market. And I, at the time when I, when I actually applied, I did not, you know, take part uh, in any of these programs. I did not hold a master in sports law or whatever uh, certification in this respect. And I also thought, uh, being honest here, that I believe that FIFA was only hiring ex-football uh, players and, uh, and men, basically. So I thought, okay, if I go there, I might end up not in the right place, being the secretary or something. So, you know, I, it, it's not for me. It's not what I want for my career. Um, I'm, I'm not falling in any of the categories that FIFA would take. I'm not a man. I'm not, uh, I haven't played football, even though, you know, in my family, it's very important. Football is a family affair. Um, at home, we basically, uh, my family, my family supports, um, a very specific team that I will not quote <laughs> because I'm still uh, being professional. And, uh, you know, we we basically also have um, relatives that uh, became uh, professional football players and played internationally for France. So uh, the passion is there, the knowledge of football is there, um, but still I could not help myself but think um, that I would not be taken. And eventually I had a total of three interviews. The last one was uh, in Zurich. And I still remember that day when I entered the home uh, of FIFA and, uh, you know, I was very impressed with what I saw. But I also, you know, thought, OK, I have nothing to lose. I need to show them that, you know, I'm probably also an outsider, but I'm probably the best profile they are looking for. And a few weeks later, I received a call from HR and here I am seven years later. So all in all, I just want to say, you know, I entered FIFA by sending an application online, passing three rounds of uh, interviews and believing until the end that I would not be taken. And at the time, I did not hold one of these master in sports law uh, uh, or whatever credential uh, in, in the area. And therefore, I did not benefit from the specific net network that goes with it. Uh, but sometimes what one just needs to dare to try. And that's what I did. Well, absolutely. Well, I, was just, I had the privilege of chairing um, the uh, one of the panels for leadership in women's football. You were speaking actually the same day before before you were one of the speakers, and it was just really interesting to listen to some of the the, the high performing uh, women talk. But one of the things that came up in our discussion, and it has come up in our discussions and other discussions, is often, and we certainly see this, whether it's people writing articles for law in sport, whether it's people putting themselves forward to speak. At, on panels, we have, it must be in the region of 80, 90% uh, more submissions from men than women. And it's quite astonishing. And yet, yeah, when I spoke to people, members of our editorial board, um, to people who have written for us, often they're really keen to be involved, but they, as you were saying, sometimes can talk themselves out of it. And, it, and I said, I'm, I know that generalizations are not always, yeah, are not always that helpful, but they're definitely 
is something that we witness a trend of that the 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 the, the uh, men in the sector are far more let's say confident probably because of the history there you know the fact that it's a male dominated sector still um to put themselves forward so it's great to hear you um share your experience and give encouragement to others to do the same thing because you know it's easy for me to say it but it's much better to hear that people like yourself who have been successful have done that thanks actually thanks uh sean it's you know somehow i also put myself out there um to somehow if i can inspire you know i will never again here i am being humble i, I will never dare to say that at 32 years old I'm an inspiration, a role model, or all these kind of things. But um, I can definitely help uh, women outside that either start in the field of sports law or sports in general, or are currently in the field and are struggling that, uh, you know, we are all dealing with these uh, same issues and we, we just have to, you know, hold it together and uh, keep going. I would say, though, more, your, your the advice that you've given already and your experience is useful to everyone not just the women who are listening the men who are listening this is good advice it just so happens that you've got um you know specific experiences and perspective which are which are incredibly valuable and helpful so you know uh, yeah again don't be too humble like you know it's, it's broadly applicable and useful the one thing i'd love you to do how would you actually describe your work so rather than necessarily the specific quote-unquote role how would you actually create a narrative i guess for yourself about the work that you do so maybe we have to go one step uh, back uh, because you know i started at fifa first in the legal division uh, as a legal counsel in the player status department the famous uh, player status department and uh, it was a work that was purely legal and i was in charge of uh, transfer of players and contractual disputes resulting from them I also represented FIFA um, in litigation proceedings before the Court of Arbitration for Sports in Lausanne. And um, at a certain point in my career, after four years, I wanted an evolution. Um, and I was lucky enough to um, actually uh, get a position in governance, uh, governance of uh, FIFA members' associations. And uh, since 2018, I'm in charge of the governance-related matters within our uh, national federations with a specific focus on the African continent. And concretely, um, I like to call it the peacekeeping job like in the UN. Uh, there is a, a side of it that is a bit like that. Uh, and there is also the side that is more helping uh, the member association in, in, in the implementation of good governance principle, best practices uh, for, um, you know, to ensure the betterment uh, of the governance structures of, uh, of the national federations. So it has a bit this uh, crisis management aspect that uh, can be, you know, somehow related to uh, peacekeeping. And at the same time, this um, assistance uh, and education part uh, that is also very interesting. And so, with the with the peacekeeping, one of the challenges, as we, we you know, we've talked about this before, but in developing markets in um, sports and in football, is that you know we've got certain legal and regulatory structures that are in place, but it may not um, be as easily applicable on the ground, right? Because where the sport is at in terms of its development or the staff. So, to what degree is your role? When you're doing this peacekeeping as much about you know just generally good communication and clarifying and creating a sort of managing people's expectations about where i say a, a national federation may be and or, or or a confederation and where they need to get to yeah it's absolutely that you know um an aspect that is important in this work is uh the soft skills you need to uh be aware that you cannot find uh, the same structures and the same type of person with the same skills uh, in Europe uh, compared to the, the, the rest of the world. Uh, not even only speaking about Africa, but it's the same thing in Oceania, in Asia, and so on. Um, so you need to have uh, flexibility and to be open-minded to um, know that somehow you have, you know, the FIFA principles and... Uh, and uh, the requirements, but at the same time, you need to be sure that these are implemented um, somehow at the 
pace of uh, the relevant context that you need to deal with. Uh, it's important that you know we come with these good governance principles, but that we do not simply do a copy paste. That we actually take into account um, the specific landscape where we where we land and where we have to work. Uh, so this requires uh, a lot of communication skills, uh, to be open-minded, uh, to be empathetic as well, and um, it's not given to everyone, I must say. I'd imagine it's a particularly uh, taxing exercise. I was listening to a, a psychologist and, and artificial intelligence expert talk about having empathy for others and trying to understand their position is incredibly uh, uh, actually mentally and physically a taxing exercise to do and i thought about that from a process of a negotiation or or you know communicating working in collaboration must be you know it must be quite an exhausting process right and a very time consuming process it is but you know it's at least from my side i see it that i am a very empathetic person and open minded but at the same time in terms of negotiation i still need to be tenacious I still need, you know, somehow to know where we are going and that there are things that are going to be done. But at the same time, I take into account the context, uh, the football landscape, and I know how to somehow adapt uh, my expectations and the requirements uh, to the specific uh, framework where we have to deal. And uh, I think that's where exactly, it, I wouldn't call it exhausting, but it's uh, challenging, definitely. Well, because I guess you're you're reassessing like in, in real time where the, the 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 places are to focus on to to get you know to move you closer to that end goal, and no doubt if you've got a hundred different things you need to do, it will be like a moving chart all the time in terms of almost a whack-a-mole, as they'd say, right? We're trying to work out which as soon as you've dealt with one, another one pops up. Um, can I ask you something? What has surprised you about your work in in, in governance from from moving from legal? What surprised you when you, you know, from when you first started into the role and then what excites you? Um, so, yeah, as I said, I was in legal, then I arrived in governance. It was way more action. That's that's for sure. Uh, but simply when I arrived at FIFA, I was just thinking that uh, everything was just related to FIFA World Cup. Um, you know, I had this perspective at the time that I only saw the operational side and the sporting aspects of the game. But I then realized, especially when I moved uh, to governance, to the governance uh, department, I then realized that there is a constellation of other elements um, to take into account, uh, to take into account in the equation and especially the relationship um, with other institutions and stakeholders is a big one of them. Um, one can call it, for instance, uh, sports diplomacy or sports politics, but uh, these are topics um, that we start to address only recently, I believe, uh, even though they have been existing for quite a while. Um, so this is definitely something that surprised me uh, over the evolution of my career at FIFA. And I'm in fact starting a, a, an, executive, an executive master in sports governance uh, called the MESGO in order to tackle in more depth uh, these aspects because it really requires preparation. Uh, not only a legal background, it requires proper preparation. Um, but what I, can, what I can say definitely is that um, even though I changed department, I always had the same vision when I uh, joined FIFA. Um, and now that I, I am in a position that allows me to uh, to be exposed a bit more, um, I believe that the person that I am and also the my personality, the characteristic of mine, um, can really make the difference because I do not target uh, as a career objective to do office work for eight hours and then go home. Uh, it's not the person that I am. I regard my work at FIFA uh, and especially my position now as an incredible chance to do something good for football. And um, with such mindset, um, I go to work like this. I wouldn't say every day, it would be lying, but at least most of the days. Uh, but I'm, I, what I want to say is that I'm not scared you know, to roll up my sleeves and work uh, on the spot to help the member associations wherever they are. So I was never scared to go to South Sudan or Sri Lanka, Ireland, wherever I had to go. 
um, I always try to do the extra mile uh, and that makes me really proud because I know it's not given to everyone. If you were to say like, so after all this hard work that you're putting in and all this effort and say fast forward in 10, 20 years time, what would yeah. you want the, what does, what does the landscape look like from the work that you're doing? How does it translate? Um, then I would take a bit more specifically um, the continent that I know the most with whom, with which I'm, I'm working the most. Uh, so the African continent, uh, which is a continent that I'm passionate about. <laughs> um, according to me, I truly believe in the power of sports to reach, you know, peace, development, stability. And I believe maybe the continent um, has not uh, yet observed uh, the importance of uh, sport, has not yet been uh, much appreciated. Um, so according to me, and it's really my personal opinion, there are certainly factors um, that have hindered the sports on the, on the continent, on the African continent, from taking its um, rightful place on the national development uh, agendas of uh, African countries. So the first one being um, related to a policy vacuum. For instance, some African countries have uh, sports policies, but the majority are fragmented and um, they are not uh, coordinated. Um, you also have uh, ministries in charge of sport that are often sandwiched, uh, as we say, in other ministries. Um, so that's maybe one uh, factor that needs uh, to be worked upon. Then another one is, and we cannot deny uh, the poor governance uh, in African sport. Uh, uh, it's also the case, to be honest, in other regions of the world. Um, it's just not easily stigmatized as it is for, for Africa, but it is a, a factor. Um, another one, obviously, is also the the inadequate uh, investment. Uh, most existing facilities in Africa um, are in very poor condition and they will need um, extremely heavy investment uh, to bring them back uh, to, to in international standards. So knowing this, yeah. Forgive me for interrupting you. You mentioned the fact that there is uh, this stigmatization around African sport and a lack of governance. I wonder how much, you know, when I speak to people on a mentoring scheme from different countries around Africa uh, and colleagues on our editorial board or others, I say that, you know, and I'm not sure if you would agree with this, but I say you don't have to look that far in sport within European countries to go to bad governance. Like, like outside some of the top sports where there's more money, you can just go, you know, scratch below the surface. And I think there's, you know, and I may be wrong with this, and also they may have better sports policies in from the government. But do you think that some of the issues that, that are faced by sports bodies in Africa are not that dissimilar um, to some of the, let's just say, let's say less funded sports or um, in, in more developed sports markets? I definitely think that uh, if there are governance issues in sport, you don't only find it in Africa, you find it in most continents. It's it's a fact. Uh, uh, you, As you said, you just need to scratch a bit the surface and look for it also in Europe. So um, I just believe it's easy, you know, to stigmatize Africa and African sports because of also the level of development. It is true that it's not as developed as in Europe. And therefore, it's, um, you know, an easy target to, to, to shoot at. Um, but I can assert you that um, sport in Africa might have, you know, issues, but um, needs needs attention to to actually uh, fix them. But not only in Africa. That is definitely an assertion. That's why, because the reason why I say this is, if you look at, um, it's probably going to come to your point that you were going to say that I interrupted you from. But so sorry, but the if we look at. Um, uh, the from a sports or perspective at least i have there's i am always surprised by the my, our colleagues from the continent who are who maybe don't think some of the things that apply in general sports law necessarily apply to the continent because of lack of money and lack of investment or, or so forth and i think you know i'm probably i know that you, i think you are as well quite hopeful for the continent as a whole and that there's maybe not as much of a, a gap as people who are there perceive because you know, in our world, there's a lot of, a bit like when you were saying when you first came to FIFA, you just thought it was, you know, the World Cup. 
that there's a bit of a facade around the professionalization of sport globally and therefore the gap's not as big as you may think and that that's that should be something to give quite a lot of optimism for for the um the sport on the continent absolutely i just think you know um that sports institution in africa um just have to reflect on on the aspects i just uh, mentioned in order to realize the potential benefits uh, that it can have across africa i believe that african sports um simply need stronger partnerships to be uh, forged between sports associations and the private sector to promote sporting activities especially uh, sport uh, infrastructure for instance also um there is um there there probably needs um to be a change of you know attitude towards sports on the continent to ensure that african countries have uh, you know realistic um and up to date policies that would enable them to strengthen a bit more their uh, legal framework uh, to combat um diseases as i call it sport diseases such as corruption and mismanagement but they're not only in africa you find it everywhere but you just need the tools to actually combat it and is that a chicken and egg type of situation where which one comes first right so we had one of our kelvin who's on our uh, editorial board we had an editorial board discussion and he's based in nigeria and was saying that he wasn't necessarily confident at times that the government would be the solution and actually private investment may drive more rapid change in the sector and, and actually create an incentivization for governments to take sports policy much more seriously and, and, the, and all those issues you said about sustainability and development um what's your view on that look i would not exclude governments from the equation because um they are still important you know you have uh, fifa as the international federation you have also the confederation so in the case of africa it's caf you have then the national federations and you have you know you have to have the government included the ministry of sport especially uh, so i don't think um they have to be excluded i just think that you know um policies uh, need to be maybe implemented among the three four uh, entities that i just quoted to ensure that you know there is a coordinated um action and development of the sport uh then I do agree that there needs to be probably um a bit more a partnership with uh the private sector uh in order to also get uh, more funding um the government cannot be only the only uh source of funding of a national football federation as fifa cannot be the the only resource for this national federation so i believe i'm more you know uh I love inclusion. <laughs> I don't like exclusion. So to me it's I think we can do things all together it just needs coordination. That's you know we've spoke about this and people probably heard me wax on about this for ages but I'm I'm very hopeful for this for, for African sport for a whole bunch of different reasons but in particular because I just think it's such a young continent and it'd be quite exciting to have a strong African sports um leagues in football basketball and in, in you know in other sports as well because it just creates you know more opportunity if you love sport it creates you know different approaches um and as i said it's such, been such a young continent um if you are going to give advice to people in well this is not just isolated to africa but people in developing sports markets what, what would you say to the lawyers there that if they wanted to be helpful and help speed up the development of and particularly focusing on football given your expertise in this area what would you recommend that they do i would recommend to be honest that they uh, for instance um help out the players um I'm, there are probably also other issues but i definitely uh i'm more affected with the situation of players on the continent um i believe that they need to be educated in knowing their rights in because they have rights and they tend to forget it uh like for instance having a copy of their contract <laughs> it's something that they don't think of asking to a club and then once the club somehow uh terminated the contractual relationship or just doesn't pay them uh, they have no way to defend themselves so i would say that sports lawyer could maybe start like this um to um uh, start to educate uh players on the continent 
and help them knowing their rights together also with obviously um, the different structure in place, uh, such as FIFPRO and FIFPRO Africa. Uh, but there, there are so many of them, and uh, and sometimes I believe that uh, institutions are not enough to 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 help them. There needs to be, you know, other help from lower levels. And uh, I definitely think that sports lawyer on the continent could uh, could help with that. And I think that's that's fantastic advice, and I agree with you. I think, you know, again, if you get that sort of, you know, I'm all for pro upward regulation. So if you inform the participants, they can have a sort of a, a positive impact going up the chain. So they can ask the right questions, force better reforms, um, et cetera. In terms of the policy side of things, which you've got quite a lot of expertise in, how would you recommend to someone to better engage with government officials, civil servants to try to show them the impact that's positive impact that sport can have because i'd imagine one of the challenges is that i've heard anyway is that you know trying to get people's attention um is difficult so how could you you know or you know are there any tips that you can say to get your message across really quickly to so say for example you know you've got an opportunity you're at an event maybe or you're you know you've you know, you're in some dialogue with an official and you're thinking oh, if i could just get them to see the opportunity this here to give it amongst their you know their portfolio of work to give it more serious attention. Is there any recommendations that you could say that, that or a particular way of phrasing things to say, Hey, we could, this could be an opportunity here. We could, you know, I could assist you with you know, putting something together. I would definitely, um, if I had the opportunity to reach out to a minister, a minister of sport, for instance, in a certain country, um, I would definitely, um, yeah, reaching out on um, the importance of having, you know, good governance as a basis to then be able to develop the sport. Um, because maybe also there is no, not much uh, private investment because of the fear from, you know, companies in Europe or in America to invest in 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 Africa, knowing a bit. Um, what's going on there and uh, seeing also what is seen on the newspapers uh, because unfortunately that's how it is you know we 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 have this negative message on from the african continent that you know it's either disease or uh, you know instability corruption and uh, it doesn't help um, investments investors so I would definitely say that uh, they need to invest uh, as a top priority in, in in good governance and not do it on their own. They 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 should really try to uh, approach uh, the federation and um, the international federation in the relevant sport together with also potentially the the confederation. But try really to have this as a start to then be able to. Uh, build um, a better development for 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 the sporting question. So that's a great. So you could basically turn around to a government or to a minister and say, "Hey, this could be a good story for you, right? This could be a good public profile for you. You can have a good message. You, know, you could create something here that has a legacy that could, you know, and with everything else that's going on wherever you've got in your portfolio, this could have a bigger impact, right? And actually do something that would be of a yeah, great benefit to you individually as well as the to, to the nation. I think that's quite yeah. It's good. again very subtle but very good piece of advice. Like you know, again, it could be overlooked because we deal with a lot of people across the continent, and they, sometimes they there's almost so much to do they're not sure where to start, and that can be you know I think having some you know guidance from someone like yourself on that, and then you know they should go and reach out to other organisations, have that dialogue. You know, is is just again very very useful. Now. Before we close off, I wanted to know, given of all the things that you deal with, what are the areas of law and particularly sports law that that you're interested in outside of your immediate work? So what are the things that you kind of think just out of curiosity or out of interest? What what do you pay attention to? Um so you know, I was at FIFA when uh, the FIFA get took uh, FIFA Gate took place in 2015, and um, that's when I started to get more interested in topics like ethics in sports, um, because I witnessed the flows of my own workplace, and I realized that it's uh, the responsibility of each and everyone 
working in a sports organization to have uh, interest in such a topic. So uh, I would say this is a topic that is of uh, huge interest uh, for me. And uh, I believe that sports organizations have a social responsibility. Uh, you know, the impact of their decisions, of uh, their activity on the society and also on the environment is uh, bigger than one can think. Uh, so that's the reason why it's, according to me, important to integrate principles like transparency, ethical behavior in sports organizations. So I really started to to focus on that in the past few years. Um, and this is definitely a topic that is of interest for me. Another one. Uh, yeah, sorry. You want to so carry on. And I want to ask you what you're doing in terms of how you're keeping it on top of it. But the, the other one. The other one. Um, um, Okay, two other ones. <laughs> Another, the, the second one um, that is of interest for me uh, would be gender equality in sports. Uh, I'm a big uh, believer in gender equality. I think you are as well. And I'm passionate about the topic, uh, equal rights, equal pay, um, equal recognition, not only when it comes to female players, but just for women in general. And I believe that sport is... Um, one of the most uh, powerful platforms for promoting gender equality um, and empowering uh, women and girls as well. So this is a topic that is of interest. And uh, I think that we collectively, men and women, uh, need to do way more about gender equality. So that's uh, the second topic. <laughs> um, and the third one, I think you expected after saying those two before, is definitely racism in sports. Uh, I think it's been uh, uh, a topic that is personal to me uh, due to my mixed background. You know, my, my mother is Caribbean and has uh, African uh, roots and Indian roots as well. And for that matter, with what happened this year with, uh, with uh, the, the death of George Floyd, uh, which had a, you know, a strong impact uh, in international sports with many athletes and sports league, especially in the US, which threw their support for a change. I think that, um, yeah, it's definitely a topic that, uh, that uh, is of uh, big interest for me. I think, you know, when I saw these uh, Black Lives Matter um, words that were prominently displayed on um, the NBA courts and players, you know, having um, been sporting uh, social justice uh, messages on the backs of their of their jersey, that was very powerful. Um, that's basically the whole power of sports, according to me. I couldn't agree with you more, right? If sport is about appreciating human beings, right? If it is about that and, and perfection of a, of a craft, like the two things where you don't care about who someone is, what they are, who they are, where they're from, etc., because they can participate and master the skill. Essentially, if that is what it is, I think I'm totally with you in that. That should be the, uh, the methodology. And yeah, we spoke about this before. There is an appalling, at times, appalling lack of diversity in the sector, and particularly in our sector. And it's something that 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 we're, we're working on continuously. But we could do a lot better job, as most people can. I think in this, and yeah, we're we're I think we're better than a lot of people, but and a lot of organisations. But we can do way, 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 way more. But it's good, you know, to have already the first step being uh, rich, meaning awareness, uh, because you have also so many other people that are not even you know aware or just don't care about this topic and think that everything is granted. So it's good already, you know, to have people being aware of what's going on, and then the first step is what can I do to make a change you know it's a tiny one absolutely and i think you know it's again one of the reasons why it's great to have as they would say more developing you know there's a reason why you've got certain sports markets that aren't developed as much as others and it's because of some uh, like long-standing historical issues often um which are normally can tie back to european origins right as, as to why there's 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 issues right and so i think if we can you know if there can be a correct imbalance there um you know, to, to resolve that. I think we all benefit from having a more diverse environment to work in. Um, in terms of how you keep a track or pay attention to these type of things, what's your sort of, what's your go-to sort of routine to keep abreast of sort of ethical issues or, you know, developments? Because, you know, me, I'll be looking at, I would look at, you know, I look at a lot of cognitive science, 
stuff, uh, a lot of now artificial intelligence because the two things are kind of intertwined, it seems. Um, look at psychology, ethics, you know, but what are you got, and I'm sort of all over the place, we're trying to just keep abreast of everything that's going on. How do you decipher what, what's important, what's not important for you to keep uh, on top of? I try to do, to read as much, to be honest. Uh, I don't even try to think what is more important than the other one. And if those are, you know, my topics of predilections, let's say I try to much to, to read as much. Um, so yeah, I read newspapers. I read, for instance, also FIFA decisions, uh, from, from the ethics committee. I try to, whenever I go on the spot to, to work with my member associations, I'm in charge with, I always try to bring awareness on this and, you know, let them know that, you know, it's a big issue and that they, it shouldn't be undermined. And um, I try to do, you know, the education part that is some uh, sometimes missing as well. Um, and I try to educate myself because sometimes, you know, I might also slip away and it's important to, you know, remind myself, okay, yeah, that's true. If you act like this, this is the consequence. And um, I think it's uh, self-awareness and, 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 and share that knowledge with, uh, with others and uh, always keep yourself updated. Um, that's how basically. So what you're talking about there is, is super interesting because you're basically talking about sort of peer to peer learning aren't you like as in you educating others and reminding yourself yourself of what it is the standards should be expected it's super interesting you're doing it sort of organically but you know it's it's it, i'm fascinated actually but i'm going to dwell on that a little bit more but i'm fascinated by that approach which is probably very you know a very healthy approach to adopt is that you know you understand that you articulate to someone else they articulate back Absolutely. to you what they think you you said uh, you know i'm a big of this concept i don't think that sharing knowledge is actually um from only one side by sharing knowledge you learn from the other person that uh that gets it that receives it and uh, that's my conception i really believe that um i'm not there to be the teacher and the others are pupils you know I'm there to try to have a conversation bring awareness and by having this conversation i'm learning myself and I'm the kind of person that I, I believe that we all learn every day from others, uh, as long as you are open for that. So, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, Joe, I think you're right, and because uh, you know, when I stop and think about it, and sometimes my enthusiasm gets the better of me, as people will know, uh, including in interviews. But um, I'm a passionate person, I guess. But the the one thing that, that when you actually do stop and think about how much you don't know, it's quite a frightening amount of information. You know, we kind of like funnel our way along in life, but really we don't know too much. And I think, you know, even with all the stuff that um, uh, that, that FIFA have been doing like of late i've got about a thousand a thousand or more pages to go through in terms of all the new guides that fifa have put out over the last couple of months whether it's the compliance guide i was just reading earlier today the tpo guide the uh, you know etc for miners um transfer of miners you know there's a lot of information there and you know uh to get through but i think you know that's, that's a lovely message though to say that someone in your position who is very knowledgeable obviously extremely well educated but with a degree still has to you know that approach of you know you know making sure that people understand what it is that's going on and seeing what you can learn from i think you know if if you're humble enough to do that i think we all should be <laughs> i'm so, certainly it's a good reminder to me to be a bit more humble i think in terms of what i don't but know you are, you are. Uh, maybe sometimes sometimes um <laughs> and then uh during the pandemic finally one question i did want to ask this because you're someone who self-reflects obviously as we found out during the pandemic, what have you found out about yourself or the sector? Um, was, have you have you learned anything over the process of like, you know, because I think that it's caused a lot of people to reflect on themselves and how they practice their work. Certainly has for me. Uh, so first thing first, um, I have learned that I do not want to hear any further webinar about COVID-19. So thank you for not focusing the discussion on that. Uh, that's maybe the first thing to say. I think we heard so many, we ha we watched so many webinars over the past eight months uh, that uh, I think now it's the topic that of the of the year, and now we need to a bit move on. But I obviously understand that it's it's a topic that is um, that is important to tackle, especially for the future of uh, of our sports and especially football. Uh, but but more seriously, I think I have realized that. 
I actually miss traveling, uh, but especially traveling to Africa for work. Uh, the relationship that um, I've created with the member association with whom I w that I visited uh, is is crucial. That's what I realized because it's crucial to carry on projects that uh, started before COVID nineteen and that were somehow put on hold in in this whole uh, pandemic uh, context. So I definitely value way more um, the relationships with uh, our member associations than before, because, you know, somehow I thought it was all granted. You take a plane, you go, you visit them. The job is done. You come back. Um, now it's way more complicated. So I value the, you know, human relationships that I built um, over the past years uh, with the member associations I worked with. Um, I would say also that um, this pandemic uh, made me become more aware of the bubble in which I work and that um, one should not take things for granted, obviously. I think that this pandemic has proven that the football industry has been somehow living for too long beyond its means. Uh, federations, clubs uh, can no longer live uh, in the expectations that the end of the season will pay for the early uh, season expenses. This is a mentality that must change and the sports industry must um, develop uh, a more control and reasonable um, financial management for the sustainability of, uh, of our sport. So that's way more on, let's say, the work itself than personally. I also learned how important it is to build um, a good mental health uh, and also important uh, how important it is to to speak about it uh, in this context where everything seems to go down the drain and it's uh, you know uh, important to keep uh, yourself in a mentally good place despite what is happening and uh, to overcome a bit this feeling of uh, being stuck stuck in one place. I think it's important to speak about this topic. And since we're being honest today, I thought of uh, speaking about it because we don't address that uh, often. And uh, from my side, in this context, I try to um, put things into perspective much more than before. And I focus on the positive. Um, I, have, for instance, decided to, to get a dog to bring uh, some positivity in this period of life. And uh, I hope you're dog friendly. So I will uh, take him to the next uh, law in sport um, uh, absolutely, conference. Absolutely, dog friendly. I love dogs. Love dogs. But we're two kids. I'm not getting a dog at this moment in time. We will, we will go and stroke other people's <laughs> dogs. That's what we do. Take them to the park and they can play with other people's pets. But the, uh, it's much better that you can like, leave them. Um, the uh, It's interesting that you say this, that... that I agree with you. In this moment in time, I think people massively underappreciate. I'm really concerned about actually, and so I was talking to someone else who sort of flagged it to me about what it does to the kids. Um, it made me up speaking to, to a colleague in one of the war-torn countries at the moment who is still talking about sports issues despite under the threat of bombing. And I just thought it's given me a real appreciation for what people must have to feel like. We're not under immediate threat in the same way at all. And yet um, lack of resilience... Like a tolerance give me a huge amount of respect for so like and I already had a lot of respect for these people anyway. But you know, again, the dignity and grace in which a lot of people go about their day-to-day -day lives. We're under like I mean I mean, you know, how fragile we are compared to them, it seems like, or you know, in terms of how they deal with it is just I mean I'm impressed uh, and you know, and humbled by it. But in terms of though, nevertheless, we deal with the realities that we that we perceive the world in and what our environment is in terms of like the monotony of being in the same place all the time and you know particularly if you're a driven person and you feel like you can always do more and it's kind of like it seems to me at this moment in time people at least in our sector who i know that if you've got that mentality it's a dangerous trap to get in because you get caught in your head going i can do more i can do more well, there's no reason because the break of traveling the break of seeing the another human being creates a different pace um how have you dealt with that then I'm compensated, and that's why I really addressed um, the topic of, uh, you know, being in a good mental health, um, because I, in the past few months, I really think I overdid, uh, you know, taking part in much more events that I used to do, and uh, 
being way more available on the phone, on camera uh, that I used to do. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's a pleasure to be here with you. In fact, uh, I'm really honored. But no, no, just to say that it's true, I might have fell in that trap. And that's why in the past few weeks, I tried to, you know, rebalance and, uh, you know, realize that, you know, the mental health is so important for you then to keep on going with all these events, all this work. Uh, if you don't uh, protect yourself, take care of yourself mentally, um, it can really affect then uh, the work that you want to give and uh, what you want to say also during uh, events. So, um, and what are you doing though? What 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 sort of things? Because I've been trying various different things and playing around with different uh, daily routines and exercises and obviously all the stuff like you know trying to get enough sleep and you know get all those different you know different tricks right change of change of if you're fortunate enough to have a big enough place if you're not going to the office you can move around what have you been doing so for instance i got my dog <laughs> um then the, so the dog helps me to you know have a healthy routine oh he wants to go outside so at noon i uh, you know take one hour I have lunch at the same time, taking the dog out. Um, then other time, other other breaks during during uh, the rest of the day as well. So it really helps me to keep a healthy routine, especially when you work from home now. Um, then I also try to find um, uh, some uh, hobbies that can be done also from home. Um, and I started Portuguese classes and uh, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> and I really see it, you know, I don't see it as, oh, by next year I need to be fluent. No, I really see it as entertaining. And it's something that you can go, that you can do from home. And it's not like a homework or work. It's simply fun. And um, I try to, you know, do these little things that uh, improves your daily life uh, at home, uh, because that's basically where, where we stand and still makes you disconnect because it's important that even though your brain still works in a Portuguese class, it's still disconnected from work. You know, it, I'm not talking about work, uh, FIFA, football. No, I'm talking about whatever, but that, and it makes me actually uh, a lot of, uh, it makes me relax. That, that point you're, you're making about a disconnect how you made that disconnect. I've been speaking to a lot of people about this over particularly the last few weeks. I think maybe we should do something as Law in Sport on this to actually, um, you know, do something to encourage better mental health online. Thank you for sharing uh, both your personal perspective on sort of what's been going over the last few months, your work, um, but your perspective on, on sport and football and, um, you know, the potential role and importance. And I think, you know, you can tell probably why we're friends, but I love the fact that you keep coming back to why the positive elements of sport and what it can achieve and what it could do. And I think that's, you know, I think most of the people involved in sport feel that way. And it's always good to reconnect, particularly when we're in the legal space, we get uh, way too obsessed with contractual clauses, different provisions, and as intellectually stimulating as that is, it's great to remind us that the reason why is because there's a, uh, you know, something that's happening around uh, that's bringing us all together, right? There's an activity that brings us all together. So thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time out. I know you had a hectic day today. Um, so I hope this was a good way to finish. And um, I hope you have a lovely weekend. And thanks so much for um, yeah taking the time out. I really appreciate it. No, thanks a lot, Sean. Actually, thanks for the support. It's uh, really genuine. I, I value your advice quite a lot and I'm really thankful uh, because it's uh, quite rare to find authentic people in this field like you. So once again, thanks a million for the opportunity and hopefully we meet soon. <laughs>